On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla holds its annual shareholders meeting, and as usual, there's a lot to talk about. I've got the highlights, the recap, and analysis from everything Elon Musk and the team presented. Plus, Tesla's record-setting Q3 production and delivery numbers, a new dog-related accessory hits the online Tesla shop, and more. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey here, Daisy the Boxer there. Welcome to episode 323, that's a palindrome, it's Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for October 10th, 2021. I hope that as some of you are listening to this right now, that you have the full self-driving beta. And unfortunately, I do probably just mean some of you, because it sounds like the wait will continue for most of us. Midweek, Elon Musk tweeting this, quote, FSD beta 10.2 rolls out Friday at midnight to about a thousand owners with perfect 100 out of 100 safety scores. Rollout will hold for several days after that to see how it goes. If that looks good, beta will gradually begin rolling out to 99 scores and below, end quote. Uh, And it would seem, if you're curious, that there are only about a thousand people with that 100 score, as Elon followed up by saying, quote, everyone with a perfect score will get it. There are about a thousand owners with perfect scores, maybe 1,100 to 1,200 by Friday night, meaning the Friday night that's just come and gone for all of you listening to this. Well, I have to say, uh, my lamenting, if, if you heard a little bit of disappointment and exasperation in my voice there, it's not a complaint. I mean, yes, the wait is frustrating, but I do understand that Tesla has to be pretty careful about this. I don't blame them at all because the second there's one accident, and there will be an accident, it's just math. It's impossible that there won't be. But the second there is an accident, The media is going to be all over it in the worst of ways. It's not going to be pretty. So Tesla has to be able to, in that inevitability, show that, hey, we were very cautious and deliberate about this. We rolled it out slowly. We used our safety score. We monitored people's driving with the safety score. So they're they're covering their backsides on this, but in the right way. I mean, it's not just a you know, a, a, a move for show. They're not just performing this. They are doing it to try and get it into the hands of people that are going to be serious about driving carefully and treating the beta with the caution and respect that a beta version of a self-driving software deserves. Now, if you're curious where I stand after now two weeks, I'm at a 96 I've been able to pick myself up a bit from my disastrous, I guess it was the second or third day, a third day overall, and first day actually driving through San Francisco to take my daughter to and from school. I did just fine driving on the weekends down, you know, in the suburbs, down the the freeways, but having to go through the city killed me on that first time. I got a 65 that first day in the city, but... I took a look and it's okay, it's unsafe follow distance is getting me. And then as I told you last week, I did get bit with a couple of uh, 
forward collision warnings, which knock on wood, I have not had any of those since. So I've just been trying to allow extra space with the cars in front of me. And I've been doing well ever since. So I have gotten myself up. I started at 94, went to 95, then down to 90. And now I've been, I've crept up back to 96. So we'll see how it goes. I am trying to sneak up to a 97 if in, in the event that that will get me this beta a little sooner. But I do think that that's probably the ceiling for me. I, it seems like it's impossible for me to get any higher than that, unless the sample size just keeps building over weeks and weeks and months and months. But hopefully I'll have the beta before then, before it's been many months, but who knows. But in any case, again, I hope that there are some of you out there who are finally getting to check this thing out. And I would certainly love to hear from you if you want to dial in to the Ride the Lightning hotline, which I'm actually, I'll give you the number now, whether you want to call in about that or any other Tesla topic, because as this is the shareholder meeting, I've got a lot of clips, a lot to cover. I'm not going to get to the Ride the Lightning hotline this week. I'll get back to it next week. So if you do want to call in in the meantime to be potentially featured on next week's show, you can dial in in one of two easy ways, either Use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question or call, comment, whatever it is. Try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many folks as possible next week. And email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's very simple. It's a toll-free number that you call, and that number is one 989 8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. Now, uh, before I do get to the shareholder meeting, though, there is some other interesting Tesla news to cover. First up, the Q3 production and delivery numbers. As I guessed on last week's show, they sadly came in on Saturday morning after I'd recorded on late Friday night and got the show done. But much to my pleasant surprise, my last minute production, uh, excuse me, production prediction, I guess that would be accurate to say, Uh, I guess specifically delivery prediction is what I made. I wasn't too far off. I definitely took the the bull case and I said 250,000 deliveries. The final number, not too far off from that, a record 241,000 300 deliveries. Now, production, if you're curious, which is usually a little less than the delivery number, which if that doesn't make sense, it's because vehicles end up in transit at the end of each quarter. So they've produced them and then they're kind of in this limbo and then they count for the next quarter. So the Q3 production number was a very robust 237,823. The split between the 3 and the Y and the S and the X was once again particularly extreme since, of course, the Model X remains out of production and the new Model S has only really been trickling out thus far in Q3. So of those 241,000 deliveries, only 9,275 of them were Model S. Now, Tesla doesn't delineate, they don't differentiate in that report between S and X, but we just happen to know for sure that it's zero Model X. So we know that all 9275 of those were Model S. And if you're curious to the math on that, 
It is 3.8% of Tesla's record deliveries in Q3 were Model S, 0% Model X, 96.2% of the cars were Model 3 and Model Y, though sadly we don't have a specific breakdown of the 3 versus the Y, which I would be very curious to know. Now, uh, the earnings call is coming up sooner than expected, which probably bodes well. Usually if they're going to give the number, they're going to give the financials earlier, that, that tends to bode well. It's Wednesday, October 20th. So in two shows from now, episode 325, I will have my usual earnings recap show, the highlights and the analysis there from everything that is said, all the information that comes out of the shareholder letter and out of the earnings call. So I'll do my usual thing in two shows on that. Next up this week, it seems Tesla might consider changing its free paint color, which of course is currently pearl white multi-coat, the, AKA the artist formerly known as the second most expensive Tesla paint option, and it is now the free one, at least for the time being. Earl, AKA the frunk puppy guy, if you've seen him on Twitter, he asked Elon, he says, quote, we are inundated with white Model 3s and Ys. Please change the free color to something else. Thanks. Silver? Bring back silver? Just a thought. And Elon responded to Earl, saying, quote, good point. We'll discuss with the team. So I don't know about silver, but I will say I would certainly love to see silver come back. But I suspect any change to the free color probably would come when Berlin and Texas, each with their supposedly next-gen paint shops, come online. And as we heard in the earnings call, excuse not the earnings call, the shareholder meeting, which I'll be playing you clips from shortly, the deliveries are going to start roughly right about the end of the year, at least out of Texas. So we'll see if that new color happens or not. Because, yeah, I agree. I mean, I will say... I think, yes, while we as Tesla owners who have our eyes trained to see other Teslas, yes, we see a lot of white ones, but for the customer, for those of you who are buying the car, the multi-coat pearl white paint option as the quote-unquote free option, the one you don't have to pay extra for, it's a really nice paint. Like, it's got nice depth to it. You can see the metallic sparkle in there. It's a really nice paint, so... I don't want to say necessarily careful what you wish for because, I mean, paint color is subjective, right? Everybody has different opinions. You know, I chose red because for me, it wasn't even close of the, at the time, six colors because when I ordered my car, silver was still available. But for me, it just was, it was red and it was everything else. But for other people, you know, paint color on a car is extraordinarily subjective. So we'll see what Tesla does. But at least for the time being, I think it's great that they are offering a multi-coat, high-quality paint job as their default one. Next up this week, uh, oh, actually, you know, I wanted to add one more thing on that, just in the in the spirit of silver. I uh, this When I saw this tweet from Earl and the response from Elon, it reminded me, I was walking Daisy a few weeks ago. I forgot to mention this on at the time on the following show, but I saw a Model Y drive by us with a, what was almost certainly a wrap, not a full repaint. I mean, you never know. But it was, it, the color of the, of the Model Y was what looked like the exact Tesla silver that they used to use, 
which I imagine is very intentional on the owner's part. They either repainted or more likely wrapped the car because they probably said, hey, I love that old silver that Tesla doesn't offer anymore. I want that on my Model Y. So they got the wrap. And I have to say, the Tesla silver on the Model Y looked good. I thought it looked pretty solid. So I'd love to see silver come back. Uh, I think it looks particularly nice on the S and the X. It looks good on the three. I mean, I'm a fan, but I think it particularly looks very nice on the S and the X. So we'll see. We'll see if silver comes back or, and or I suppose, Tesla just decides to offer a bunch of new colors, perhaps including the return of silver out of their new Berlin and Austin paint shops. Next up this week, before I get to the shareholder meeting, another new product has hit the online Tesla shop. It is a Tesla-made pet liner for the back seat of any of the vehicles. Now, the product description of the one for the S3 and Y, there's a separate one for the X, since the X has a you know different configuration in the second row. The description reads, quote, Model S3Y Pet Liner is made from a breathable quilted fleece material, creating maximum comfort for your pet during car rides or while relaxing in dog mode. Designed exclusively for the second row of Model S, Model 3, and Model Y, the three-piece set features a durable, water-resistant hammock-style liner and two door protectors to safeguard against paws, dirt, pet hair, and any accidental slobber. Well, I will tell you, I went ahead and ordered one right away. Uh, It just shipped yesterday, so I expect I'll get it either tomorrow or early next week. And the reason that I decided to order it, despite the fact that I do already own one, is because it has those door protectors. Now, I'm lucky Daisy's been pretty good in my Model 3, but still, you know, I've, I'd like to protect the car as much as possible. And this this Tesla one, it's a, you know, as it says, it's a, it's a quilted fleece material. The one I have is just a canvas. It's a, I, I ordered one. Before I even got my car, I was I ordered it ahead of time to be ready. So it's just a generic, although it, you know, it fits fine. It's not a custom fit, but it's just a $50 canvas one off of Amazon and it served me fine. Uh, but what I'm curious of is, will the Tesla one be worth the extra money? And that's what I will happily report to you in ordering this for myself. I'll give you a, recommend, a thumbs up or a thumbs down on next week's show because... Uh, This Tesla one is not cheap. It is $145. And for for contrast there, for context, I should say, the Amazon one that I bought that I've been using for three years was, I can't remember exactly, but I know it was somewhere between 50 and 60 bucks. So it was, you know, it's a third of the price, basically, uh, thereabouts. So again, the new one certainly looks very nice in pictures. And again, I'll let you know what I think of it on next week's show. And if you're curious to check, to take a look and maybe order it for yourself, the new one is on the Tesla shop, which is of course shop.tesla.com. One more story for you before we get to the recap and analysis of the shareholder meeting. And unfortunately, this news story is not a good one. More price increases which sadly are not a surprise at this point, given the ongoing chip shortage combined with the demand that Tesla cannot keep up with. So let's just peel this Band-Aid off and get this out of the way. The Model 3 Standard Range Plus has gone up by 
$2,000. It's now up to $42,000. Technically, $41,990, but come on, it's 10 bucks. $42,000 there. Meanwhile, the other Model 3s, the Performance, uh, or excuse me, the uh, regular Model 3 long range has not changed, but the Model 3 Performance is up by $1,000, uh, which is $58,000 base price there. And then for the Model Y, both Model Ys, the long range and the Performance are up 1000 as well. So the long range Y now up to $55,000, and the Performance Y, $62,000. Well, not long ago, maybe, I don't know, a month back, I can't keep track of time on the podcast anymore, but I did predict that the S and the X would get another price increase before the year was out. We'll see if that still happens, but uh, for the time being... The 3 and the Y, I would expect this is it for the 3 and the Y for this year. I'm not saying there won't be any further price increases in 2022, but again, it's October, so I think that's that's probably the last price increase we'll see in 2021. So hopefully, I'm not, I, ho- I hope I'm not wrong about that one. Now, the only one of these that I'm kind of upset by, and, and when I say upset... I don't mean at Tesla, just more upset on behalf of those of you out there who are trying to buy your first EV is the Model 3 Standard Range Plus. That going up over 40,000 to 42K, that's tough. I mean, that is, that's a significant, I mean, that's 5% on that car. That is not an insignificant amount of money on the Standard Range Plus. And again, I realize Tesla is not doing this maliciously. They've got materials costs that are up, and they've got the chip shortage, which continues to be a very real thing. But again, I'm just kind of bummed about it for the people that are trying to get into their first Tesla, and most likely for a lot of those people, their first electric vehicle, period. It just got 5% more expensive to do so. All right, that's everything I've got for the news outside of the shareholder meeting But first, a quick ad break from some friends of the podcast, well, a friend of the podcast that I very much want to tell you about. So take a quick listen to this, and then I'll be right back to recap and analyze the shareholder meeting. All October Long Ride the Lightning is brought to you by Wholesome Bakery. Visit them at wholesomebakery.com. I got to tell you about this place. As you may know, I cannot eat dairy. So finding genuinely delicious desserts can be tricky because so many great treats are made with milk, butter, or cream. That's why they taste good. But years ago, I found out about Wholesome Bakery, which is a local San Francisco minority women-owned place where everything they make is plant-based. That means nothing they offer has dairy. Not only that, though, everything on the menu is gluten-free, soy-free, and free of refined sugar, so you'll never have that crazy sugar crash. So, some years ago, I tried their cookie sandwiches. It's two cookies with a coconut-based cream filling between them, and I have to tell you, I fell in love with these things. They are genuinely the most delicious dairy-free treats I've ever had, and quite honestly, I would put them up against any dairy-based treats. They've got several flavors that I love, including chocolate chip, caramel, and a peanut butter chocolate cookie with sea salt. 
but they've also got a big menu of other great baked goods too, like paleo-friendly fudge brownies, marzipan truffles, and much more. So with the holidays coming up, they have a great selection of holiday favorites to choose from, like pumpkin chocolate loaves, pies, and Swiss rolls. I gotta be honest with all of you guys, unlike any other sponsorship I've ever had on this show, I sought Wholesome Bakery out on this one and not the other way around because I am a huge fan of their products. And now that they ship anywhere in the United States, I wanted to shout about it from the rooftops here on the podcast. You gotta try these out. Trust me, I promise you that you won't regret it. Check them out and get your order in at wholesomebakery.com. Again, that's W-H-O-L-E-S-O-M-E-B-A-K-E-R-Y.com. Well, Tesla's annual shareholder meeting was presented virtually from Giga Texas in Austin. It was about 90 minutes long or so, and I've cut down all my highlights here to about a third of that. That I, think, I look at that as my job here on this podcast is to distill down the best stuff and give you that along with my thoughts. And let's start by hearing from Robin Denholm, the chairman of the board at Tesla. We don't get to hear from her particularly often. I want to just recap some of the things that have happened over this last 12 months. So in the 12 months that ended September of 2021, we've delivered over 800,000 vehicles. We've also started new production lines in Shanghai. We've commenced the pilot production of our own in-house battery cells. And on top of that, we've constructed two new gigafactories on two different continents, including the one that we're here today in, in Texas. But maybe most importantly, our mission of accelerating the world's transition to sustainable energy remains at the center of what we do. Over the last 12 months, Tesla has continued to help shift the public perception of electric vehicles. And it wasn't too long ago that many people were still questioning the future of EVs. I would say that today that's no longer the case. There is no doubt that the transition to uh, sustainable transportation and the transportation industry is turning electric. In many places around the world, you can't drive down the street without seeing many Teslas, which to me is an incredibly proud thing and a, a testament to our progress. While our performance to date has surpassed many common expectations, we believe that we're only at the beginning of what the long journey ahead that we have. As we disclosed in our impact report this year, by 2030, we're aiming to sell 20 million electric vehicles per year and deploy 1,500 gigawatt hours of energy storage per year. Our mission is clear. The automotive sector and the energy sector have to become fully electric. There's no question about it. While producing and selling half a million cars in the last calendar year is more than most expected, we need to continue to grow exponentially to create a true impact for the planet and for our shareholders. I also want to acknowledge that Tesla's achievements so far and our future aspirations would simply not be possible without, without the unrelenting efforts of our amazing employees. Each and every one of them who globally now number almost 100,000 
are doing everything that they can every day in the name of our mission. While our, while our investors might recognise some of a handful of Tesla executives or directors, we know that Tesla's success is due to the creativity, the ingenuity and the sheer hard work of our tens of thousands of employees globally. By the way, let me start by apologizing for any audio wonkiness in there. The audio on this entire thing was so low. And it wasn't just me. I was looking at Twitter comments and other posts everywhere. It was just the source. It was cranked so low, you had to go to all the way up to max volume to even hear it. So I'm hoping by the time this hits your ears that my various editing tools and software have helped clean things up a little bit. But if it got a bit louder in the middle of her of her presentation there, I do apologize for that. But anyway, the couple of particularly interesting notes in her segment. Well, first, again, I really do think it's just great to hear from her because we don't often get that privilege. She's the chairman of the board. We typically hear from Elon, which is great, but her voice is extraordinarily important as well. So number one, uh, it's not new information, but it's really great to hear that over the past four quarters, so the past year, not calendar year, but the past four quarters, Tesla has delivered over 800,000 cars. That is incredible progress. And second, remember that story I did a month or two back where I ended up misinterpreting an Elon tweet about the total number of Tesla employees? Well, yes, I did. Miss still, I still misinterpreted it. I got it wrong. But it turns out I wasn't too far off. You heard Robin say there that they are approaching 100,000 employees worldwide, which, as I said when I first erroneously talked about this, is incredible growth from just a few years ago when they were at around 40,000 total employees. So that Tesla growth story by every metric just continues to amaze. All right, so... Now let's hear from Elon, and I'm going to play you his entire opening statement, which is long. It's 18 minutes long, but the reason I'm going to play you the whole thing is because I do think it's important as it gives a pretty good overview of the state of Tesla as a whole, which is what you'd expect at the annual shareholders meeting, and then I'll get into some comments about the various things that he has to say afterwards. So here's Elon Musk. So... We have uh, record vehicle deliveries, um, as uh, we've already reported this, uh, but you can see that there's a pretty, um, I mean, I, it's, I think this might be the fastest that any large manufactured object has grown. Like, um, yeah, certainly one of the fastest, perhaps the fastest. Um, and um, it looks like we, we have a good chance of maintaining that into the future, uh, really dependent on um, Supplier challenges. So if 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 uh, we're basically if we can get the chips, <laughs> we can do it. Um, so uh, hopefully this chip shortage will alleviate soon. But um, I feel confident um, of being able to maintain something like this at least above 50% for quite a while. The Model 3 became the best-selling premium vehicle uh, globally. So if any premium vehicle. Uh, 
that I, I mean, I almost got arrested at one point for claiming that we'd do 5,000 a week, literally. You're <laughs> 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 laughing now. Um, anyway, this is great. Um, we think the Model Y will be uh, the best-selling vehicle of uh, any kind globally. So we think it will, it will exceed the Model 3. Um, I think we've got a good chance of it being the best-selling vehicle by revenue next year, and then I think quite likely to be the best-selling vehicle uh, in just of, of any kind numerically in in 23 uh, in 2023. So. Uh, basically, we need, we need uh, Austin to get online and Berlin to get online and reach volume production, and then I think that's going to happen. Um, a cash, in terms of free cash flow generation, um, obviously we had uh, some tough years uh, back then. Um, things were looking a little dicey, to say the least, in 2017 and 2018. <sighs> uh, <laughs> <sighs> don't want to go back there again. Um, but uh, we, we got through that and now things are looking uh, really good. So I think we'll see continued uh, strong cash flow generation uh, and uh, especially uh, it, as you multiply unit volume times autonomy uh, and increased efficiency in the factories. Because um, uh, I, I think over time you'll see all manufacturers will make electric vehicles and eventually, all manufacturers will make autonomous vehicles. Um, and we, I think and Tesla's open to licensing uh, autonomy because I think autonomy will be uh, such a significant lifesaver and preventer of injuries that it, it is not a technology we want to keep to ourselves. So um, I think it will be um, morally right to, to license it to other manufacturers if they would like to, to use it. So. Um, and of course, uh, we, we made a lot of progress on, on cost reduction. Um, and uh, so despite our average selling price actually going down significantly because with the introduction of the Model 3 and Model Y, these were much lower priced cars, uh, we've managed to still do uh, decently well on, on gross margin. So this is, um, you know, get, getting the average price down and, and gross margin up is, is very difficult, uh, but we've managed to, to do that. Um, so, yeah, it's good. Um, our goal really is to make the cars as affordable as possible. Um, we are seeing significant cost pressure in our supply chain, um, and uh, so we've had to increase um, uh, vehicle prices, uh, at least temporarily, but we do hope to actually reduce the prices over time and make them more affordable. Uh, so. Um, yeah, unfortunately, we've just expedited. Like, I mean, the sheer amount of money we're spending on um, flying parts around the world is, is uh, just not, not great, but hopefully temporary. So, and we need a lot of batteries. Uh, hence, uh, battery day is what this shirt means. Very obtuse. Um, but um, we are going to need a lot of batteries. And this is going to be um, a combination of batteries from our suppliers. Um, and in, in supplier discussions, um, you know, some of our suppliers have just asked me outright, are, are we going to just, you know, put them out of business or something? I'm like, not at all. As many cells as you want to make and supply to us at an affordable price, we will buy. No limit. I'm like, oh, okay. So, like, 
you want to, yeah, increase by 100%? Sounds good to me. Um, so the, the basic plan is uh, we're, we're really going to order a lot of, and we have ordered a lot of batteries from suppliers, basically telling suppliers literally uh, uh, go, go as much as you can make, we'll take. Um, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll prioritize uh, batteries for vehicles, but then use um, any excess uh, cells that we have in the Powerwall and Megapack. Uh, because uh, over time, we think the demand for stationary storage is going to be at least as high as the demand for vehicles. So uh, sustainable energy, primarily solar and wind, is intermittent. And so the wind doesn't blow all the time, the sun doesn't shine all the time, obviously. Um, and so you need batteries to buffer that power. Um, so the, the fundamental pillars of a sustainable energy future are uh, basically solar and wind, those are the primary, uh, stationary batteries and electric transport. And if you have those three, then you have a sustainable energy future as long as the sun is shining. You know? So sometimes people ask me about fusion, and I like it as an idea. And by the way, I think it's totally doable. Um, but uh, there's a giant fusion reactor in the sky that shows up every morning, and zero maintenance. Um, so I'm like, so it sounds like a good deal, you know? Uh, I'll just catch a little bit of that sunlight and uh, power Earth. Um, a shockingly small amount of land is needed to power Earth. <laughs> it's like, you know, a couple hundred miles uh, by a couple hundred miles of solar panels will power the entire United States. So it's like, okay, it's not that hard. Um, and then I believe we calculated you only needed one square mile of batteries. So you may think like, wow, a lot of batteries. One square mile of batteries, it's not that crazy. So anyway. Um, so we've got, we've got a plan to uh, reduce the cost per kilowatt hour of batteries. Um, and, um, and our suppliers you know, have similar plans. Uh, so this is um, really supplemental to our suppliers. Um, we'll make cells, they'll make cells, we'll use them all. Um, the, the fundamental good of Tesla, I think, is um, by how many years did we accelerate sustainable energy? This is the, the fundamental, I think, uh, way to think of the, the value of Tesla. And so if we are able to accelerate sustainable energy by more years, that is good. Um, hence the need to grow quickly. Uh, we've got three new factories. Um, Giga Shanghai has done an incredible job. Um, and uh, Giga Shanghai now exceeds uh, Fremont. Uh, in production. So, actually, I'd like to just give a special hand to the, our Tesla China team. Right. So, it's the, the best quality, lowest cost, and, uh, and also low drama. So, it's great. Um, and um, but that said, we are um, continuing to expand our Fremont uh, operations. Um, and uh, expect to uh, hopefully increase Fremont output by 50%. So, and that's still where we make all Model S and Xs are made in, in Fremont. Um, but uh, it kind of makes sense, especially for the high volume vehicles, to have production that's at least on the continent where the consumers are. Um, otherwise, it's just, it's also not good for the environment to be shipping cars, you know, several thousand miles. So, the basic idea is have the high volume vehicles be where the customers are approximately at least. <laughs> um, and then 
Uh, also, great progress with building Giga Texas, which is where we are right now, uh, and Giga Berlin Brandenburg. So, just a hand for those teams as well. Um, and and the, um, the these factories uh, will have cell production uh, in them as well. So this will be really kind of raw materials in, cars out. So really, really big. Um, yeah, I mean these things will be in like units of Pentagon, basically. Uh, let's see. So impact report. Um, uh, there's a lot of uh, I think interesting stuff in our impact report. Um, we go into I, I, quite a lot of detail on um, all the things we're doing, um, and you know, I, I Tesla is, is, is certainly a company that uh, tries very hard to do the right thing in all respects. We try very hard to do the right thing in all respects. We don't always succeed, but if you're looking for a company where you say, "Is that company really trying to do the right thing?" That is Tesla. <laughs> okay, we really try. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, uh, anyway, so, uh, um, so uh, as I was mentioning, we've got the you know three parts of a sustainable energy future: uh, solar and wind. But I think primarily solar will be the the main source of energy uh, of sustainable energy and energy in general. Um, and then you need. Uh, uh, to store that energy with uh, stationary battery packs, and then you need um, electric vehicles and uh, electric airplanes and boats and whatnot. So, um, yeah, great. Um, yeah, and then uh, the uh, average life cycle emissions in the US, uh, this is only going to get better as, as we move to a sustainable energy grid um, and, and electric vehicles then obviously we move to a fully sustainable energy economy, which is where we want to get to as quickly as possible. The sooner the better. And can, can there be a carbon tax? I mean, what the hell, you know? Um, so people sometimes say like, oh, carbon tax, that would benefit Tesla. I'm like, yeah, but it would, it would uh, hurt SpaceX. Uh, so how about the carbon tax, <laughs> which we really needed, so. Um, See, battery materials are uh, definitely encyclable. Burden gas is not. Uh, CO2 is an extremely stable molecule. Um, Mars's atmosphere has been primarily CO2 for know, billions of years. Uh, it's extremely stable. Um, so sometimes people worry about methane. Uh, do not worry too much about methane. Methane quickly breaks down into CO2. Methane is not a stable molecule. CO2 is extremely stable. Um, so. Um, and of course, you can recycle battery materials. So it, uh, you can think of batteries as essentially high-grade ore. So you can either get your lithium and your nickel or, and, and the various constituents of the battery from uh, rocks or from batteries. It's much better to get them from batteries. So uh, batteries are basically high-grade ore. And um, Tesla has already started recycling. And there are lots of companies that are going to do recycling because it, it basically pays to do recycling for batteries. So um, we're seeing, you know, um, increased uh, extreme weather events, and uh, there's like wildfires. And here in Austin, there was a massive snowstorm that turned the power off. I was actually in Austin for that uh, 
snowstorm in a house with um, no, no lights, no power, no heating, no internet. Couldn't actually even get to a food store. If you could get to a food store, there was no food there. That went on for several days. Um, uh, however, if we had the solar plus power wall, uh, it, the car would have had lights and electricity, and actually if you had a Starlink internet, you'd have internet too. So, um, all the things you need for a prepper, basically. <laughs> if doomsday comes, yeah, it could be helpful. Um, so, in factory safety, we've done, we've made uh, huge improvements on, on factory safety. Um, so, uh, we're now 18% better than the industry average. So, this is a, this is great. Um, it, it's always tough with safety as you ramp production lines and as you start up factories, but then as, as the, once it's in steady state, then the injuries naturally, de naturally decline because people get used to it and you iron out the issues. And so we're seeing um, excellent uh, factory safety uh, in, at Tesla. Um, and we're, we're, our goal is to have the safest factory on Earth. And then uh, AI Day, I think it was important to uh, change the fundamental perception of, of Tesla because people do, they sort of think of Tesla as a car company and yes, we make cars, um, but, but at, but the AI portion, part of Tesla was not well understood. Um, Tesla is as much a software company as it is a hardware company. And, um, and, and, as, and we also do the, the chips. Uh, so we designed the, uh, the full self-driving inference computer. Uh, we're designing a training computer that's going to be able to, we think, be the most efficient uh, neural net training computer in the world by far. Um, and. Um, and we're seeing a tremendous response. So daily applicants by <laughs> role. Um, as you can see, it's basically, uh, you know, on the y-axis there. <laughs> and, and then after AI day, that's uh, the AI applicants increased dramatically. So I thought that was a very successful day. Team did a great job. Um, and um, yeah, um, AI is going to be a very important part of the future. Uh, Self-driving is obviously one of the functions, um, and um, I obviously have mixed thoughts about AI, and we've got to watch out for AI being a danger, uh, but it's happening either way, so I guess if we help do it, we can try our best to make sure it is uh, positive, you know, good, good AI, hopefully. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, I'm excited to announce that we're moving our headquarters to Austin, Texas. Just to, to be clear, though, we will be continuing to expand our activities in California. So this is not a matter of, of sort of Tesla leaving California. Um, as I said, we're, we're, our, our intention is to actually increase output uh, from Fremont and from Kick uh, Nevada by 50%. So, but we're just, we're just hitting the sides of the bowl. It, you know, um, I mean, if you go to our Fremont factory, it is jammed. I mean, it is jammed. It's like, whoa. <laughs> And when we first went in there, it was, it was like, you know, 
we're like, we're like a, a kid in his parents' shoes. It was ridiculous. Like, tiny S and giant factory. And now we're like, yes, ma'am, and I can here. Like, <laughs> how do we fit more stuff? Um, and and it's, it, it, it's, it's tough for people to afford houses, and a lot of people have to come in from far away. And so it's, uh, we'll, we'll take, you know, we're taking it as far as, as possible, but it's, um, there's a limit to how, uh, how big you can scale in, in the Bay Area. So um, with, uh, here um, in, in Austin, and our, you know, our factory is like five minutes from the airport, 15 minutes from downtown. Um, and uh, we're going to create an ecological paradise here on the car, because uh, we're right on the Colorado River. It's going to be great. So um, to emphasize gain, continuing to expand in California significantly, um, but, but, um, but even more so uh, here in Texas. So first, how about that Model 3 success story? I am part of it, as are many of you, no doubt. I'm a very happy Model 3 owner. Model 3 is the best-selling premium vehicle globally, going from zero to number one in less than four years. That is amazing. Second, we've heard it before, but Elon and Tesla remain confident that the Model Y will become the number one selling vehicle of any kind globally in the next couple of years once Giga Texas and Giga Berlin ramp up. I don't know if they'll be able to beat the Ford F-150 in the United States, but I think that's probably why they said globally. I mean, the, the F-150 is like the Xbox of vehicles. It's extremely strong in its home market of the USA, but not as strong globally. Uh, next, I appreciate that Elon said that it's morally right to license autopilot slash full self-driving to other manufacturers. Now, cynically, you could say that it's also really good for business because Tesla can basically name its price on licensing that and make an absolute ton of money and probably on an annual basis. Like they could probably license it. You know, if, they're, if you're licensing it, it's not necessarily a permanent license. You can set the terms however you want, but it can be both things. It, you know, it's, it's not one extreme or the other. It can be both things. It can be good for business and be the right moral thing to do. There was an interesting stat on one of the slides that was in the presentation that obviously you can't hear in his audio clip there that said that Tesla accounted for 0.7% of car sales in the world, but Tesla bought 26% of all cells, battery cells used by the auto industry in 2020. So what's funny about that I mean, you know, you, you look at that and you go, okay, well, that's pretty interesting. But what's funny, to, at least to me, I would have guessed it would have been more, like way more than 26%. But that is still a heck of a statistic. I mean, I suppose you have to count things like Toyota's hybrid line, the plug-in hybrid line that have tiny little batteries in them. And there's a million of those. There's a ton of those cars made. So when you look at it that way, and you have to factor in every little, you know, sort of little uh, example. That's how you get t Tesla down to 26%. But still, it's 0.7% of car sales, but 26% of all battery cells. That's, that's a heck of a statistic, if you ask me. Uh, with his comment about trying very hard to always do the real thing, uh, the right thing, rather, I wanted to comment on that. I suspect that that may have been an allusion to the employee lawsuit that you may have heard about this week 
that Tesla just lost, and it found Tesla liable for racism in the workplace. I was just heartbroken to hear about that for the the victims of that. And I do sincerely hope that Tesla has taken, is taking, and will continue to take definitive steps towards making their workplace a more diverse and inclusive and respectful place. Tesla did post a blog in response to this verdict, and they claimed that they are doing just that, that they are taking and have taken and will take active measures towards making things better. So here's hoping that Tesla will be better, because quite frankly, that's what, number one, its employees deserve, and that's also what Tesla's customers deserve, and that's also what the shareholders deserve, too. This was the shareholder meeting, after all, so... Uh, I did want to. I didn't want to let this week go by without commenting on that. Now, the final thing from Elon's statement there that I wanted to touch on was something that made headlines after the meeting. In fact, it might have been the biggest headline after the event, which is that Tesla is relocating its corporate headquarters from Palo Alto, California, to Austin, Texas. I am not surprised by this at all because as Elon goes. Tesla goes, and Elon went to Texas for both Starbase with SpaceX and Giga Texas for Tesla. Now, I can't help but think that a certain publicly elected California official who foolishly and, in my opinion, unprofessionally cursed him out on Twitter during the early days of the pandemic and the factory shutdown last year, that, you know, that may have accelerated this process. In fact, a tweet from Elon seemed to suggest exactly that when he responded to somebody who commented on it as well. But I'll be honest with you, I expect that this move probably would have happened eventually anyway, because again, the center of the Elonverse is now Texas. But I will say that I did appreciate here in the shareholder meeting that Elon went out of his way to make it quite clear how Tesla will continue to grow and will continue to have a significant presence in the state of California with the mega factory groundbreaking that I talked about on the podcast last week being an extremely significant and extremely recent example of that. But uh, anyway, I, I would guess that the building in Palo Alto that has been the corporate headquarters for the last uh, it hasn't always been the corporate headquarters. The original building was in San Bruno, but Palo Alto has been, well, probably at least 10 years, if not more. I mean, it's been that that building on Deer Creek Road in, in Palo Alto has been the, the HQ for quite a while. But I, I would imagine that that building will still be packed to the rafters with engineers doing cool stuff. I mean, I've I've heard I've long heard legends that in the basement there, there's a lot of, let's say, interesting Skunk Works projects going on. And I suspect that will continue to be the case. It just won't be the corporate headquarters anymore. That will now be in Austin. So next we moved to the Q&A portion of the event. So I've got a few highlights that I will play from you from this, starting with this question about Cybertruck production. Uh, when will Cybertruck production begin and at what rate will the ramp-up happen? Um, well, um, so the, the, this year has been just a, a constant struggle with, with parts supply. Um, so just to be clear, if, 
if we had like five extra products, we would not change our vehicle output at all uh, because we were just basically limited by multiple supply chain shortages, like so many supply chain, uh, of so many types, not just chips. There were lots of supply chain shortages. Um, so the, I, uh, so it really wouldn't matter if we had like the semi or the cyber truck or anything, we would just not be able to make it. Um, and the semi in particular uh, needs a lot of cells. So it needs a lot of cells, a lot of chips, and so uh, that will be, uh, we, we gotta have enough, otherwise it's pointless. So I think most likely what we'll see is Cybertruck start production end of next year, uh, and then reach volume production in 2023, and um, hopefully we can also be producing the semi and the, uh, the new roadster in 23 as well. Um, so we should be through our severe supply chain shortages uh, in 23. I'm optimistic that that will be the case. You know, on the one hand, you could say, well, why not get the Cybertruck going anyway, what with such a long reservation list, even if you do have to pull from something else, meaning production resources, from something else to do it. But on the other hand, what are you going to pull from? The three and the Y are the money makers for the company. You cannot take a bite out of either of those production-wise, because if you do, suddenly your profitability comes into question. The S is a drop in the bucket right now, and again, for the time being, and the X still is not yet even back into production. So really, there's, there's just nowhere to go just yet. And, and I suppose it's a moot point anyway, because the 4680 battery cells, which the Cybertruck requires and is designed around, aren't ready for prime time yet. Also, did you catch that the semi is pushed out to 2023? That is new information. Tesla had previously said this year for that, 2021, it was in writing um, in multiple places. So unfortunately, like the Roadster, that's a pretty significant delay. Uh, obviously, 2021's rapidly coming to a close, but still there was hope to maybe that they would sneak out the first few Tesla semis with the first run of viable 4680 cells so that they could say they started deliveries and just you know, just get the ball rolling a little bit on the semi, but uh, it is not to be for this year. And as you recall now, the semi and the Roadster were announced at the same event, the same night, and at this point, you gotta wonder which one's gonna ship first. I mean, it's not a big deal, really. I'm not trying to pit it as some sort of competition or that one's got to happen before the other. I just, I just really hope that they both finally do arrive in 2023. All right. Next question was about more gigafactories. <laughs> more factories. Um, man, it's hard to build a factory. Um, yeah, I've said many times that prototypes are easy. Production is hard. Uh, like, you know, or whatever. It's like 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. But I think for high volume production, it's like 99% perspiration. Um, so, uh, hmm. I think we'll, I mean, we might start scouting for locations next year, but I think we, we can do a lot with um, Berlin and, um, you know, Berlin and Austin and ex expanding in China, uh, you know, so, and expanding in Fremont, so, um, 
the nice thing is like having at least a factory in Europe and a factory in China, a factory in North America, we at least have um, factories where, for a high volume products where, uh, that are on the continent where most of our customers are. This is great. So we do not, like one of the biggest challenges we had in Q3 was can we get enough ships? <laughs> like there was a huge ship shortage. Um, so that was, that was a challenge. And that boat that got stuck in the Panama, no, I mean the Suez Canal, um, <laughs> caused havoc. So, you know, these things, you don't expect these things. Um, but they happen. Um, so, I don't know, we'll look, probably look at uh, new factory locations, start to investigate them next year, maybe make a decision um, in 23. I'm probably reading too far into it, but my interpretation of Elon's response there was that he just sounded pretty exasperated. And I can't blame him because while it seems like Giga Texas construction has been going pretty smoothly, we know that Giga Berlin's progress has been met with a lot of red tape and other various challenges. It's gotta be pretty stressful trying to get one new factory going, let alone two new factories at the same time. But regardless of my thoughts on it, it seems like it's not something that's on Tesla's radar right now. That seemed pretty clear. It's not to say that Tesla isn't being wooed, be it by the UK or by India or by other places, but it just seems like Tesla is not devoting any energy to thinking about that and dealing with future factory locations as of now. All right, Elon Musk, what is your safety score? This was a great question. What's my safety score? Oh, great question. Um, I don't know, actually. Um, Yeah, I don't know what it is. I'll check. Uh, I'll check when, because I think it's, uh, mine just got turned on. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, good, good, good. I'll find out. <laughs> uh, by the way, a safety score calculation is obviously imperfect. That's why we try to emphasize very much that it is beta, if not alpha, in, in safety score calculation. Um, so it's going to get um, a lot of changes. Uh, yeah, expected to improve in its accuracy substantially over time. This is really just, it's a very early stage algorithm. Oh, he knows his score. He knows, I guarantee it. And he could have pulled out his phone right there and checked. So I would have to think it must not be super great. Or maybe he just knows that literally anything less than 100 for him is going to get him in trouble slash mocked on Twitter. But I thought that was a funny question that got upvoted enough to get asked during the Q&A. One more clip here for you. It is in regards to the Cyber Quad, which I talked a lot about last week. (laughs) I'm really getting into the weeds here. Um, So we're definitely going to be making Cybertruck here. um, And so probably the ATV too. So the the ATV is an interesting design challenge because ATVs are pretty dangerous. And so we want to make an ATV that is the least dangerous ATV. So if you're going to ATV, well, you might as well have the least dangerous ATV, you know. So it'll have a really low center of gravity because the battery pack will be down low, and I think we can do some things with the suspension. It just make it really hard to roll this thing, you know. So it'll because when ATVs roll is when bad things happen. <laughs> so it's going to be the ATV that won't roll. <laughs> uh, so it'll be cool. 
you, you got to have one with a cyber track, you know. Well, I'm glad to hear Elon acknowledge the cyber quads since, like I was saying last week, it's just been forgotten about, really, since the Cybertruck reveal two years ago. I still think that the cyber quad is years away, but at least it's nice to know that it is still being planned for. Uh, a couple of other quick final notes that I won't bother playing you the extremely short clips of. But Elon said there are no plans for dividends from the stock because he said that they still have a lot to invest in. Second, he said that no stock split is in the cards right now. For those of you wondering, with the stock approaching $800, they have no plans to split it at the moment. And Elon said he thinks, I mean, he said this before, he thinks that manufacturing will be the toughest thing for Tesla's competitors to copy since everybody will eventually have to go electric and eventually have to go autonomous as well. And Tesla will be the leader there by a mile in both of those categories whenever their competitors do eventually get around to going fully electric and autonomous as well. Well, I hope you enjoyed my recap and analysis of the shareholder meeting. I'm glad I got to see it. I mean, it's a bummer. It wasn't in person somewhere for uh, folks to get to go to, but I appreciate, as always, that Tesla streams these things so that I can dig into them and bring you all these sound clips for it. Uh, stick with me. I'll be right back. There's a little bit more podcast to go. I want to tell you about what I'm up to with my car, as well as the pro tip of the week, and a little bit more right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. I am doing my first ever autocross event this weekend, which I'm very much looking forward to. It's an event being put on by proud Patreon backer of this podcast, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club. I'm grateful for the opportunity to go do that. Go zoom around a parking lot in track mode, and the only thing I can hit are cones. So I can't do, hopefully won't be able to do too much damage. I have never used track mode. I've never had the opportunity, so uh, this will be my first time with that, and I'm looking forward to that. So uh, check pictures and maybe video on my Instagram, which is DMC underscore Ryan, if you're interested in seeing some video slash pictures from that. Also, I was lucky enough to be a guest on the Clean Technica podcast this uh, late this past week, so it's the episode that's up now. It went up yesterday, recorded it Friday afternoon, and it posted on Saturday. So if you want to check that out, feel free. I had a great time as a guest there talking Tesla, the shareholder meeting, the $25,000 Tesla, a.k.a. the Model 2 in air quotes, was a big topic of conversation and more. So feel free to take a look at that. And with that, let me give you the pro tip of the week. It comes from our friend Jerome in Northern California. Hey, Ryan, it's Jerome up here in Northern California. How you doing? I had a pro tip for you that I wanted to share because I think it's important. I had a scary situation occur to me yesterday, and I had to pull into a gore point, which is the triangle before an exit. And I literally spent about... I don't know, 30 seconds looking around the car, trying to figure out where in the world the emergency flasher button was in this loner Model 3. So to all of you new folks 
who have a Model 3 or Model Y, if you look up at your rearview mirror, you'll see your emergency flasher button up there. You're going to want to know this because trying to search the internet during an emergency is really frustrating. So for those of you that know where it's at and are laughing at the stupidity of this pro tip, I promise you it's going to happen to somebody and they're going to be so happy that they know where to go look. Thanks, Ryan. Keep up the great work. Ciao. Thank you, Jerome. Yes, uh, if you're not used to it, the hazard lights in a Model 3 and Model Y are in a fairly unusual spot. In fact, I can't say I've ever seen it there in any other car. Not that I've driven a ton of cars in my life, admittedly, but it is in a bit of an unusual spot. I will say I use mine all the time in San Francisco for, you know, double parking while I'm in the car, like doing a school drop-off or something, but... I know that in suburban and rural areas, you probably don't need it very often, if at all, and thus you'd only need it in an emergency situation, which, Jerome, I'm so sorry to hear that that was a very stressful time for you. But yeah, it's up above you. It's up top by the center, the uh, the cabin dome lights in the 3 and in the Y. All right. Uh, By the way, if you do have a pro tip of the week, please send it in. It comes in the same way that the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls come in, and I gave you the call-in information for that at the top of the show this week. So please keep those pro tips of the week coming. I love this segment because I learn stuff, and I feel like uh, hopefully a lot of you out there find this little segment beneficial as well. Before I go, let me mention a few other friends of the podcast, starting with abstractocean.com, purveyors of many fine aftermarket Tesla accessories. Check them out at abstractocean.com. Whether you're going to grab the rear footwell lighting kit, which I think is especially nice for a Model Y, you know, that raised area, the, the seats are raised. You just, you can get a nice little light under the seats there, just add a nice little touch of, of in, in my opinion, touch of class, an extra bit of class to the Model Y interior. But there's that, there's the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, there's the new fourth generation tempered glass screen protectors that's better that are better than ever and come with the installation frame to make the installation really nice and clean and easy. All kinds of stuff. You got to just kind of browse around, see what they've got abstractocean.com and then when you've got everything that you want in your shopping cart use the coupon code rtlpodcast at checkout and you will get 15% off of your first order that's rtlpodcast all one word there meanwhile snap plate go to everyamp.com slash rtl to get the front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds it stays on securely Paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, won't mess with autopilot. It's a clean, minimal design that blends perfectly with the Tesla front end on all four cars, S3, X, and Y, and it will not use an adhesive. So if you ever want to take it off, like for car shows or washing the car or what have you, you don't ha- you're not just yanking off a taped thing. So it's uh, it gives you that real flexibility and also the, the knowledge to know that when you want to take it off, it's not going to, you're not going to be leaving tape residue, automotive adhesive behind. So I'm a big fan of this product. Grab yours at everyamp.com RTL. 
Immaculate reflections, if you and or your car, I guess not or, it would have to be and. If you and your car are going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area and you'd like to get some detailing work done on your car, I cannot recommend Immaculate Reflections enough. They are offering a discount for listeners of this podcast. All you got to do is mention, hey, I'm a Ride the Lightning listener. May I please have the Ride the Lightning discount? And Jeff, the owner there, will happily do that for you. Whether you want to do paint protection film on maybe just the front of the car, maybe all of the car, maybe you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the thing for the next three to five years and water just beads off of it. Ceramic coating's great. I love it. Uh, and, or, and or maybe you want to do the paint correction process as well, which is, that's really, that that's a skilled hand that's uh, that's needed to do that. Jeff did paint correction on my car, and my goodness, it looks worlds better than it did when it came from the factory. So whatever you want to do, Immaculate Reflections has you covered. Book in or contact Jeff via the website, which is irdetailing.com. You can also see more examples of his work at yelp.com slash immaculate reflections and on Instagram at immaculate underscore reflections. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL is your one-stop shop for all your dash cam and sentry mode needs. Get the $49 kit that gives you 128 gigabytes of long-lasting micro SD-based dash cam memory storage. That's what I'm running in my car. I cannot recommend it enough. It will not wear out. There's no wear and tear with this because micro SD is designed to be read and written to over and over constantly, which regular USB flash memory is not. So puretesla.com slash RTL, 49 bucks for the 128 gigabyte kit, free shipping anywhere in the US. There is also a 256 gig kit for $69 if you'd prefer that. And now they also sell wireless game controllers. If you wanna do some gaming in your Tesla at superchargers or what have you, grab their nice kit. Again, they're nice, small, svelte, uh, kind of Super Nintendo-esque game controllers that are compatible with your Tesla with a wireless dongle, wireless kit which is really great. So all that at puretesla.com slash RTL. And of course, Jada, let's not forget them. They've got a uh, growing line of products. If you've got a new three or Y, a 2021, grab the USB hub console, which is a storage organizer, a USB hub, an Apple watch charger, and an AirPod charger all in one. You could also grab, if you have an older model three, like I have, you could grab the version four wireless charging pad. I've got version three in my car and it's great. Version four has better, uh, it's like a Alcantara material. So it's just, it's even pre more premium looking and it's uh, charges your phone easily. It's no tools to hook it up. It looks stock. I love it. That's again, out of all the aftermarket products, that's my favorite personally is the Jada wireless charging pad. Unless you're fortunate enough to have a Tesla that has the the wireless charging pad built in from the factory, but not all of us do. So if you don't, I highly recommend the Jada wireless charging pad. Use the coupon code RTL on whatever you're gonna buy from Jada, and there's a nice little discount. And if you are going to buy anything from Jada, I humbly ask that you use my referral link, which is getjada.com slash ref slash eight. 
that's the website, that's the link to use to go to and purchase any of the Jada stuff. And let's see, finally, uh, you can follow slash subscribe to me on just about any podcast service, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Spotify, which are also both natively in your Tesla, so you can find them directly in the car that way. I'm also on YouTube, just in audio-only form, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube, and you should find my channel very easily there, and you can subscribe that way. Uh, And finally, of course, the Patreon. If you have enjoyed this shareholder meeting recap episode, hopefully you're enjoying the podcast every week, and you think, you know what? Yes, Ryan, you have earned my my support, my uh, Patreon support. I will happily contribute to your efforts here. I would sincerely and humbly appreciate that. You can find more information about that on the Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. There are various support tiers, as I try to let you know each and every week, uh, and each tier has a different little perk, a little bonus attached to it, and the higher you go, you get the perk stack, so you get them all. So, you know, it starts with just early access for the $5 a month tier, which is the sport tier, as in sport mode in the Performance Model 3. Then it goes up to the ludicrous tier, 10 bucks a month, and that'll get you the early access and the extra bonus mini episode for the month, which actually, oh, I think I forgot to mention, that's up. That is up right now. So if you are backing me at the ludicrous tier or higher, you can download that. You probably already got an email notification. But let me also mention the names of the people who are featured on that, because if you're featured on that Patreon-only bonus mini-episode and you're not backing me on Patreon, well, I still want you to be able to hear the response to your call since you were kind enough to submit it. So I'll give you... You can email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com, and and you can request the one-time download token for that Patreon bonus mini-episode. And so the callers for that are David from Grand Rapids, Offer from Israel, Sam from Florida, Robert from Texas, David from ev-hq.com in Brisbane, Tim from San Diego, Travis from New Orleans, Jeff from New Jersey, Howard from Washington, Bill from Wisconsin, Brian from Florida, and I believe the name was Earl from Montreal as well. So uh, lots of good topics on this bonus mini episode, including the usefulness of Summon, uh, Offer called in with how Tesla is doing in a, a new market for them in Israel, uh, taking advantage of high used car prices, windshield repair, etc., etc. So check that out on the Patreon if you are uh, eligible for that. And if not, you can join the Patreon and become eligible in at a, at a moment's notice. The power is in your hands. All right. With that, let me thank the Patreon backers at the Plaid Maximum Plaid and Roadster in Space tiers. All the... Uh, the folks who deserve, that's part of their perk is they get a shout out each and every week. So thank you to the newest Patreon producer at the Maximum Plaid tier, Aaron Huxley. Aaron, welcome. Thank you so much for your kind pledge. The rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, 
Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nessel wrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Matt Kalen, Zachary Howard, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, and Scott Gillis. Thank you to all of you. The Plaid Crew, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, The Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Joshua Walker, Rick Dean, and not Elon Musk. And finally, an extra big thanks to the Roadster in Space tier backers, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Crafty Geek, Richard Stokes, and Rolf and Jennifer Evers. Thanks to all of you, sincerely. Well, that will wrap it up for the palindromatic Ride the Lightning episode 323. It's been another fun one, another busy week. It's always nice when you have the big Tesla events to like to uh, dig into and, and analyze like the shareholder meeting. So, uh, regular show next week, of course. And then, as I said, the week after will be the quarterly earnings call. That should be a good one since Tesla just set another production and delivery record. So I'm expecting good things there. The big question with that one, will Elon be on the call? Because last time he said he was not going to be on the earnings calls on a regular basis anymore. So we'll see about that. But until then, I'll see you next week. In the meantime, same time, same date as always, every Sunday at 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. Happy electric motoring, my friends, especially to those of you who got the full self-driving beta to you 100 out of 100 score safety score, folks. Enjoy it. Be safe. Have fun. And hopefully the rest of us will be joining you very shortly. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.